0: Welcome everybody, and here we are again, Hollywood Godfather podcast, and tonight we have an amazing show, I want to introduce my co-writer, Pat Picciarelli, please, and a millennium, Matt, you ain't saying hello tonight, you want to keep your voice?
1: Yeah, I'm not a spy.
0: Okay. Hello, <laughs> yeah. If I don't introduce me he gets mad. I don't. Do introduce me, don't say anything. I love it. I'm shocked you will be remembered. That's all. I am speechless. Okay. And our millennia, Megan Horan.
2: Hello.
0: Haran.
2: Hi, <laughs> Megan. Horan, you're close. Haran, Haran.
0: It's, it's Hello,
2: how are we doing?
0: Well, I just got to say one thing. Well, uh, let's Pat. Let me Pat make the introduction because okay. it's, it's his Tonight old friend. We,
1: uh, and are honored to have him back as our guest. In fact, he's been. We've been. We have about hundred and twenty-five shows in the can, and uh, he's the first guest uh, that's been back for a return visit, and rightly so. Uh, Mark Shaw has just written uh, another book uh, about uh, similar to the topic we discussed last time, but uh, uh, a lot more involved uh the name of the book is collateral damage i have it right here the subtitle being the mysterious deaths of uh Marilyn monroe and dorothy kilgallen and the ties that bind them to the robert kennedy and the jk assassination this is uh we just got the book so uh uh we haven't had an opportunity to, to read it yet but i have gone through it and uh, it's just uh as the best book was that that we read very very well researched this guy I mean I'm a writer and I marvel at Mark Shaw's ability to research in such depth and uh, we'll be getting into topics that are near and dear to Gianni's heart and the uh, connection as we've been talking about in our book and since we've been talking about uh, these topics since we've had a podcast is the connection between these three deaths Mark is the expert
3: So without further ado, we give you Mark Shaw. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate
0: it. We appreciate you. I mean, reading all through your notes and perusing the book, uh, it takes me about 61 years of my life. (laughs) I can't believe it. (laughs) And it's your book.
3: uh, Yeah, I want to make sure that people know, you know, I've got got your book right on top here of my desk. I can't show it to you because we're having some problems with video, but your book and then permitting me to be on your podcast before really filled in a lot of blanks for me. I'd like to explain just a little bit of how this book came came about. Um, it's, it's rather amazing because uh, I was never going to write it. Um, I had uh, I, I've written now and I had them beside me. I was going to show you five books now that touch on the JFK assassination, but I never even intended to write about, the, about those about the uh, assassination. Um, I have a leg up on a lot of people because I knew Melvin Belli, uh, who was the uh, rambunctious uh, attorney in San Francisco. Uh, Many will remember him. He represented the Rolling Stones and Tammy Faye Baker and Muhammad Ali and all those people. He was a big, uh, rambunctious guy who who was bigger than life. And uh, he was, uh, many people remember, Jack Ruby's attorney. So, I practiced law in uh, Melvin Belli's uh, building in San Francisco in the 80s, and I got to know him pretty well. And I got to learn about his affection for the mafia. One of his main clients was Mickey Cohen, who you're well aware of, the oh, yeah. LA gangster and all of that. And so, I wrote a biography of Melvin Belli, King of the Courtroom, because uh, he had written two autobiographies and they conflicted in terms of what his life was all about. So I tried to find the truth, and it, it, it got me into the JFK assassination because a couple things bother me. Both of you are very curious people. You're people of the truth. You want to know what happened. And so I started looking into the JFK assassination because the, the accounts that I gave uh, for uh, being able to represent Ruby didn't make sense. And then the defense he used, which was a psychomotor epilepsy insanity defense, made no sense. And so that really got me more curious, and I started looking into the JFK assassination. Just quickly, that took me back to the 1960 election, when you both know that Joe Kennedy knew they were going to lose to Richard Nixon and JFK wouldn't get in the White House. And so they brought in some of those underworld characters that you're familiar with. Uh, gianni and, and that's oh. so sam Giancana and carlos marcello as we'll talk about and all those guys well i was the and messenger
0: a, that's what's so crazy about that's all right that. and
3: we'll talk about that and they made a deal joe made a deal with them you you help us get the white house win west virginia illinois and we'll go ahead and leave you guys alone well i had an eyewitness who was right there when joe ordered jfk to appoint bobby attorney general and predictably he went after all those guys the first one being marcella who he deported to the jungles of guatemala and then, uh, you know, uh, charging with the racketeering and all that. So as they got to the end of 1963, uh, they, they couldn't let that continue to happen. And so my theory started out with something that nobody else had ever looked at, why Bobby Kennedy wasn't killed instead of why JFK was. And if you look at the JFK assassination that way, then it changes everything because basically what happened is as Dorothy Kilgallen, who will talk about, uh, found out during her investigation, that um, that the uh, the the underworld, Marcello in particular, figured if they kill Bobby Kennedy, JFK will be powerless. If they kill uh, JFK, I mean, I mean, sorry, if they kill Bobby Kennedy, uh, then uh, the, the, the JFK will come after them with everything the government has. As if they kill Bobby uh, JFK, Bobby Kennedy will be powerless, and that's exactly what happened. So that was it. That was enough for me. But then I found out about Dorothy Kilgallen, And as you know, she was this astonishing woman, a little bit like Marilyn Monroe, as we'll talk about, uh, who investigated the JFK assassination. She ha- was the most powerful female voice in America, according to the New York Post. And uh, she really investigated the JFK assassination. She went to the trial. And I proved in the Reporter Who Knew Too Much, Reporter Who Knew Too Much, which became a bestseller, that Dorothy had been murdered because she was writing a book about what the truth was with the JFK assassination. She was going to expose Marcello as orchestrating it and J. And, uh, J. Edgar Hoover as covering it up. Dorothy Kilgallen got too close to the, to the uh, truth, was writing a book for Random House, as I say, and she was found dead mysteriously in November of 1965. You know, what's so interesting
0: exposed- about Dorothy, I yeah. met Dorothy so many times Because not just with the Latin Quarter and the Copacabana, somebody that she was seeing, and then the thread through it all, which I don't know if you remember, I worked for Mark Sinclair, who was her hairdresser for five months.
3: That that, was amazing to me, but I didn't know that you knew her uh, that well. But unfortunately, she died. So I proved she was murdered. Uh, I'm still working on getting that death investigated and everything. So again, I was going to quit. But people all over the world, and I remember getting a couple emails from people who watched me or or listened to me on your podcast who said, come on, Mark, is there a connection between the the deaths of Marilyn Monroe and Dorothy Kilgallen? And that's what launched this book. And, uh, you know, I I felt like that there wasn't going to be a connection. But as I'll tell you, there's just many similarities, more than 50 of them, between the life and times of both women and how they died.
0: Yep.
1: Um Yep. Mark, let me uh, uh, ask you this. I'm I'm an ex-NYPD Lieutenant, retired, and I know how the job works. uh, And it's slow and reverse for the most part, particularly (laughs) when it comes to old cases.
3: Right.
1: Uh, You managed, uh, in my estimation, almost the impossible to get the NYPD to reopen the case recently. Well, I
3: ran ran into it. yeah, I ran into a stone wall with Commissioner Shea, who I flew to New York and met with and said he was going to investigate the death. But then we had the pandemic and everything happened and I just felt like it was gonna fall apart. But at the end of March, I got uh, I got a phone call from uh, one of the uh, detectives, Panzarella, on the cold case squad. And so he's looking into Dorothy's death. I've sent him all kinds of material, as you know, and everything. The, the evidence is overwhelming that the main suspect is still out there. I proved she was murdered and all of that. So now we'll see whether he carries through with a thorough investigation. But uh, it's interesting to me because I don't wanna forget to tell you that I I really believe, and I didn't probably emphasize this as much in collateral damage as I should have, but I think Dorothy was not only in trouble for uh, what she was gonna write about the JFK assassination, but I also think she was going to include in that book her observations that Marilyn Monroe did not commit suicide, but was murdered.
0: Yep. Well, that's always my theory, and I knew it to be true. So, I mean, it's, it's interesting. So, it's, the, the result of all this is going to be fascinating for me for many, many reasons. And I can't wait to, to hear. Well, let, what,
3: let, me, let me explain to you why I was able to do this. And it's a little embarrassing in some ways. I did this ass backwards, which is just about the same way I've lived my life. Um, you know, I never seem to to go according to the rules and all of that. So, what you would do normally is what you would look into in the Melvin Belli thing. Okay, then JFK died in '63, so you look into that. Then you'd look into Dorothy Kilgallen's death in 1965, and uh, you know all of that. But you would have first looked into Marilyn Monroe's death because she died in 1962. But because I had looked at uh, the JFK assassination and Dorothy's death. When I started looking into Marilyn's death, all the pieces of a giant puzzle came together because there was this connection, and the connecting link, uh, as as I think you know uh, from from just knowing a little bit about the book, is none other than Bobby Kennedy. Yep.
1: Well, tell us how you brought, how you went about this.
3: Yeah. Well, uh, initially, what I what I did is uh, I, I was curious, like you guys would be, and I found Dorothy Kilgallen's columns that she had written about. Her. She and Marilyn were good friends. And when uh, she wrote a column about uh, Marilyn uh, right before she died, that Marilyn had, you know, gone through another a marriage and, and all of that. But she also talked about how great Marilyn was doing, that she had a new man in her life.
0: And very and happy.
3: She, yeah, <laughs> she had settled things with the... Ah, uh, twentieth-century Fox people on going forward with something's got to give. She was about to get invited to do a Broadway play, which which is something Marilyn wanted to do, and more than anything, you guys, she she really was pleased. She thought she would remarry Joe DiMaggio, and she would they would have children, and that she would become a mother. That's what she wanted most in her life. So I found Dorothy's columns about her, and then she wrote one right before uh, she died, and then. Uh, when Marilyn was died, died and and, and, and supposedly committed probable suicide, which we'll talk about, uh, Dorothy launched this investigation and she wrote these columns. And I could, you'll see quotes in the book. There's all of those columns in there where she, you know, talked about the fact that uh, you know uh, Marilyn was doing well in in contrast to what reports were being put out in the media, that uh, she had real questions about the deaths. Uh, you know, why was she found in the nude? Why was the light on her, uh, on in her bedroom? Um, you know, why, uh, you know, uh, didn't the police look at this, uh, you know, for, for all practical purposes, a staged death scene? She went right down through about six or seven suspicions that she had. And right away, as, as I had done with the JFK assassination, I followed Dorothy's lead. And that led me into you know learning about the fact that uh, yeah uh the the uh, thomas naguchi the uh, the autopsy who did the autopsy the medical examiner botched it uh he, he came to up to the wrong conclusions It was a probable suicide he, he he forgot to check internal organs about her um all of the things that he did and if you look and, and you know i'm not the greatest researcher in the world but if you look at the autopsy report it basically says overdose it doesn't say uh, PROBABLE SUICIDE, he, THEY CHANGED THAT LATER. BUT UNFORTUNATELY, THEY GAVE THE PUBLIC THE IDEA, AND I HAVE THE HEADLINE IN THERE, Marilyn COMMITS SUICIDE, WHICH DAMAGED HER REPUTATION, AS HAD HAPPENED WITH, with DOROTHY KILGALLEN'S WHEN THEY SAID SHE OVERDOSED OF DRUGS. SO I LOOKED AT ALL THAT, AND THEN I BEGAN TO THINK TO MYSELF, uh, YOU KNOW, AS A FORMER CRIMINAL DEFENSE LAWYER AND A, a TELEVISION LEGAL ANALYST FOR THE BIG PROFILE TRIALS, uh, YOU KNOW, MIKE TYSON, Kobe BRYANT ALSO, WHAT'S THE MOTIVE HERE? If Marilyn was murdered, there was no glass, by the way, in the room where she would have ingested these pills. One of the detectives assigned said she could have never uh, swallowed uh, 50 pills anyway. So I started looking into motive. And right away, I I did something that I think should have been done at the the time. Uh, Most people know about Marilyn's uh, uh, love affair with JFK. It was very short though. And, and kind of dismissed, but then she took up with Bobby. You know, Bobby was the run of the litter in the Kennedy family. He always wanted to show him he was worthwhile. And so Marilyn was gonna be his trophy wife. Sure, he had a thousand kids and with Ethel and all that kind of stuff, but he wanted to show the world, you know, or show at least uh, his, his brother and his father that he could have Mar- Marilyn as well. And so they had this love affair. Well, he really verbally abused her Uh, He threw her, you know, he threw her kind of to the wolves, treated her like meat, as she told some people, including Joe DiMaggio. And that love affair continued on. And I want you to be able to fill in a little bit of the blank because, you know, and provided this most vital information to me. When you talked about the uh, the last weekend before she died, she ended up at this terrible, terrible place uh, on the border of Nevada and California called the Cal Neva Club and we both know gianni that what happened there is that uh, they were setting her up she was supposed to have a sex with both kennedys the uh, different things were going to happen they were going to take videotapes well she was just outraged she called joe dimaggio to come after her he didn't do so and so she made the biggest mistake of her life it was just like dorothy kilgallen when she said i'm going to crack the jfk assassination wide open um i know who was involved all of that well she was dead shortly thereafter well as you told me uh, you can't threaten to go to the media and talk about um you know the love affair about the uh national security secrets that both kennedys had told her you can't do that and i want you to emphasize what happened when you told frank Costello that that was going to occur and so you know i kept putting two and two together and then you know, I'm not one that looks at other people's material, books and everything, especially when they're written 20, 30, 40 years later. So I found a bunch of books I was going to show you, but uh, one was uh, that, that was amazing to me it was written by a guy named Frank Capell. It was called The Strange Death of Marilyn Monroe. And this guy was really criticized at the time for what he wrote. It's a little red book, about 70 pages, but I found it. Nobody had ever quoted from it or anything. And basically, he set it all up, what Bobby Kennedy was like, that he was ruthless and everything else. And he carried on this affair with, with Marilyn for quite a long time and then just threw her away like JFK had done and all of that. But he had gone out and gotten documents uh, showing that, that, uh, that uh, Bobby Kennedy was in uh, Los Angeles uh, near the date of when Marilyn died, um, what her psychiatrist and doctor had done in terms of the drugs they'd gotten to her he really had all of this put together. And the most interesting thing about that was he basically accused Bobby Kennedy of Marilyn Monroe's death. And so that was criticized a little bit at the time. But what I found very interesting is that the Kennedys must have thought enough of it, and I have it in the book in an FBI memo, that they had FBI agents go out and buy the book and they bought the rest of the books so nobody could read it. Oh wow! And what and what it did, and that's a little thing, you know, that that maybe people missed or whatever. But they were very concerned because if if Bobby Kennedy, uh, his affair with Marilyn would have been exposed at that time, that would have been the end of his his uh, you know p- political career. And so I looked at that, and then I was able to find other books that talked about uh, the whole thing. And then there was this incredible. Um, article that was in a magazine from photoplay of all places uh in uh, in 19 uh in 19 uh let's see what it was exactly it was in uh, 1964 to uh, no 1963 just a year after Marilyn died and it was it called it was called the killer is loose and people will be able to read that in the book and this martha uh, who, who was a, a European correspondent wrote it for p- photoplay. and basically it just laid out everything. things like you see him in a crowd. he's a he's a big shot. He's a big shot politician. He's a lawyer. He thinks he can get away with anything. You might, if you're a, a woman, think you want to be his life. But I'm telling you right now he's a killer. And so all that was in there and going through my mind and I kept going forward and so on and so forth, but the big obstacle, Patrick and, and Gianni, was this. Bobby Kennedy had an alibi for being in San Francisco on or near the death of Marilyn Monroe, the day before whatever. Right. So that concerned me because if he was involved, he wouldn't necessarily have to have been in Los Angeles if he wanted to cause her harm and eliminate her and silence her. But it would be um, you know, a big factor in the fact that he was down there. Well, I started putting that together. And it was, it was not a difficult situation to do because uh, 20th Century Fox, I found uh, a ledger that they had that showed he had flown in on a helicopter the day of Maryland's death. More than that, there was a book written by, called The Beverly Hills Murder File by Lynn Franklin, who was the most distinguished uh, Beverly Hills police officer at the t- time. And he wrote that he actually stopped Peter and Lawford, Peter Lawford, a friend of, of uh, uh, Bobby and Bobby's, along with uh, um, uh, Marilyn's uh, psychiatrist uh, late at night uh, the night before she died and uh, going down uh, one of the boulevards near the Beverly Hills Hotel. Uh, Daryl Gates, who became the police chief of, of uh, Los Angeles also had the account that Bobby was there. And then I came across you know, more information as to how this might've happened. And we can talk about that. But that's what led me into realizing that uh, but without doubt, uh, Bobby Kennedy was involved one way or another in Marilyn Monroe's death.
0: Well, he was definitely involved because, you know, that that weekend you were talking about, the weekend before she was killed, and uh, when she ranted and raved with Sinatra, but she was screaming that we all, you know, they weren't talking privately, they were a distance from us, but she was screaming in the top of her lungs. And I don't know if you ever even found that out. She said she aborted Bobby's baby because of him and his relationship with Ethel and him being Catholic. And that that was the last straw for her. And she said, I'm going public. And as soon as she said that, when I reported that to Costello that Monday, he said, and I, I could see it in his face. And then we all know that Saturday night, she was killed.
3: Yeah, and that that all fits together with with a pattern of what's going on. I ha- I've, I've checked hospital records. I've never been able to find, and probably wouldn't be able to uh, now, of this abortion situation. But th- no, there was it, no. Clue.
0: It was done in a doctor's office.
3: It's very very possible, very possible. It was but it not done in, in the hospital. The Don't here.
0: even waste your time.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's probably right. Uh, but Bobby Kennedy had gotten himself in a trap. You know, he kind of cleaned up uh, JFK's sexual affairs. <laughs> Uh, JFK had a great many of those, and he kind of cleaned up things. But now he was faced with this with the most, one of the most famous uh, women in the world, this actress, going to the media. He, he wasn't going to let that happen. And so, of course, he had to figure out exactly what he was doing. I don't want to forget to tell you, really, the conclusion that I came up with here, because it is history-making. And I hope that this book will really make a difference and push away a lot of distortions of history that we have. And all of my my research, 15 years really worth, and all these books I've written about it, and then your help and others who've who've come forward, uh, made me conclude this, that if Bobby Kennedy had been prosecuted for Marilyn Monroe's death in 1962, there would have been no reasons for those enemies like Marcello, to have gone after JFK to render Bobby powerless because he would have been powerless. Exactly. He would have never been able to go after them again. So what I concluded was that uh, basically there would have been no JFK assassination and there would have been no death of Dorothy Kilgallen because she would not have been able to investigate the assassination because there wasn't one. And that all changes the course of history. And so I really hope that what I've written will stir more research in this area because it all seems to fit together. And uh, if, if Bobby would have been prosecuted, uh, basically with the evidence that I've compiled here, uh, you know, there's no question in my mind that a first year prosecutor could have prosecuted him and put him in prison for being involved in Maryland's death.
0: But how would and that so happen? That's he, the history so powerful. Part that I hope will
3: happen. What's that?
0: but he was so powerful at the time, who was gonna go against the Kennedy family at that time?
3: Well, the way that they did this, my theory at least, and I I show in the book exactly how I think she was killed uh, by Bobby's operatives uh, her house in Brentwood and all of that. But immediately, here's what happens with these cases, and, and I think Patrick and I talked about this the last time. It happened with Dorothy Kilgallen's death stage death scene motive everything else there it never even an investigation at all and then they say she overdosed on barbiturates or her reputation is damaged and that's it end of story I, saw, I tried to get the da in new york to handle it he wouldn't uh, and now the nypd what happened with Marilyn's death well who was one of his one of bobby kennedy's best friends robert parker the la police chief yeah so what did he do right away well right away uh, you would think they would Uh, assign this to the the detective, the case would be investigated. They would go back and look at the death scene. I mean, Patrick knows that from his years on the NYPD. You go back, you look, you talk to witnesses who were around, who were there the day she died. You do all this investigation. How hard can that be? What did he do? He appointed three psychiatrists to a panel, a board, to look into her mental state before she died. And predictably, they came back and said, "Well, she was a mess. She probably tried to commit suicide before, and so, uh, yeah, uh, she committed suicide. End of story. And that was it. And as powerful oh, wow. as Bobby was, then the case just ended right there."
1: Mark, uh, that uh, what you just said, obviously, is true. Uh, but that's part of a uh, standard investigation. It's called a psychological autopsy. But it's done in conjunction. You're right. With- the criminal investigation how did she die so you get the, the the psychological autopsy coupled with the criminal investigation and you come to a conclusion
3: mm-hmm.
1: you don't do half a job and come up with a conclusion.
3: well thank you I did not know that that you do that kind of an autopsy but oh, yeah, yeah. I, I think it would have made a lot of difference it, I, I those psychiatrists never even talked to any witnesses either so I think they just went by uh, kind of winged it in turn but they got the verdict you see so-called, that that Bobby Kennedy needed. And so everything was just stopped right there.
0: That's interesting. I mean, uh, obviously, it's, um, here we are hindsight, and you see, uh, I I know about seven murders in that whole string of things at the time, as you do too, with Jack Ruby and everybody else, of what was going on, but it's, uh, but at that time, even, I mean, I, I was just happy to get out of the country once I found out after the assassination. So there goes 22 months. I was just happy not being around.
3: <laughs> well, may I tell the audience a little bit more about what you said with that? Oh, please. Because it was just a bombshell for me, Gianni, and it really filled in a lot of things because what were you able to do? You were able to connect Frank Costello, Carlos Marcello, and Lee Harvey Oswald. And that's exactly what Dorothy had done with her investigation. From what you told me, that basically uh, you were a runner uh, working for Costello. Uh, He sent you to New Orleans with uh, some sort of a message. You gave that message to Carlos Marcelo in his restaurant, Maca's, I believe it was called, or whatever, in New Orleans. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, you know, whatever it was, message, money, whatever it was. And then you were given a message. You came back and you told Mr. Costello what was going on and what was the result? You ended up in Spain. I know <laughs> and, I was, I was sent going you across on the ship. And I, I just can't even imagine what your reaction was when you watched the television on that ship and you hear the JFK assassin, assassination, happen, And then uh, later on, you look and it, here's this Lee Harvey Oswald that you saw in that restaurant. With Marcello.
0: Getting blown away the next day. What's that? And he got shot right on television the next day. I couldn't believe that. Yeah. But I'll give you another. You're
3: part of history. You realize that. But I'll give you. it or not.
0: I'll give you another thread that I never disclosed until now because of the fact about. I forgot when when, uh, um, LBJ announced he's going to run. I flew down to Dallas and Mm -hmm. guess who picked me up? Jack Ruby, and he took me out to the ranch. I didn't know whose ranch it was, but I had a suitcase, and I know it was all money, and I was not back in New York, and, they, and he announced that he's running with the Kennedys, and everybody knows LBJ hated the Kennedys, But the oh deal, but the deal they made that John would do eight years, and then LBJ would do the next eight years. Thinking that you know they were going to invade Cuba, he'd stay and then run him, and they had the White House for eight years straight. Mm-hmm. But um, I didn't want to know. I didn't want to know anything at that time. I'm saying, I said, what I get myself into? It, they, this is well, nuts. Well,
3: you know, you know as well as I do. You know, you got to be careful messing around with uh, with these dangerous people or whatever. The Kennedys were so oh, powerful. Oh my God! Yep. And uh, the mob was so powerful at that time and all of that. And, you know, we can talk a bit about Frank Sinatra, too. Uh, Every time I listen to a song by Frank, I want to throw up. You know, yeah, he was it was a wonderful singer, but he was a bad guy. Oh, my God. He was involved with the mafia. You showed uh, you know about that photograph in the book where you name the gangsters he's standing beside and all of that. And, And then he was just a slime ball in terms of with Marilyn. He had an affair with her. Then he's the one that introduced her to the Kennedys. Oh, no, they
0: they passed her around. In fact, it's ironic because, you know, we 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 were asked to do another book, Pat and I, Mm -hmm. and we were going to do a book about Sinatra and we started it. And then Pat kept saying, you got to give me more and more. And, you know, I felt guilty because Sinatra was so good to me. You know, I I knew what he was, he was bipolar, he was a crazy, I mean, after two o'clock in the morning, he's drinking, go home, don't hang out with him, and he's a punk, but he had all these underling wannabe gangsters around him, that they they would take you out if he told you to, and he didn't even have the power to do that, the world believed it, but he was such an earner for the the whole syndicate, not just the mob, that they'll do anything they want with him, it's always about money. But, you know, he he was he was worth about 100 million, if nothing, in revenue for them, for casinos and players. Mm -hmm. And that's why they would never bother him or Mm -hmm. touch him.
3: Yeah. uh, And, and, you know, uh, when when uh, Marilyn got involved with these guys, you know, she got involved with Jack Kennedy and Bobby Kennedy and Peter Lawford, who was just, you know, an awful guy, too. And Sinatra, I mean, that's a nest of evil. And you know, I, I've in the book, by the way, you'll you'll see at the end. Uh, I know it's a long book, so it'll take you a while. But I really have tried to humanize all three of these people, uh, Marilyn, Dorothy, and JFK, and give people a feeling what we lost. Right. Uh, there's a book called Fragments uh, that that uh, it's about Marilyn, and it gives her writings. Uh, they're on uh, you know. Uh, uh, receipts on, in hotel rooms or uh, on, a, on a little journal she kept and all of that. But you'll see another side of Marilyn, how, uh, you know, how uh, it, she was pretty much an intellectual in many ways, instead of being put down as being this dumb blonde.
0: Oh, no, uh, she was very I mean, methodical I mean, in everything she did. I mean, the stuff she
3: was. the and, stuff and, she uh,
0: saved for me and gave me, I couldn't believe.
3: Well, yeah, you knew her personally. You knew what she liked. You said, I remember one of your quotes, you said she liked to walk across the Brooklyn Bridge
0: yeah that's, that's what
3: maryland was all about and so for her reputation to be damaged like it has been with her having committed suicide is a real sin it's a it's, it's a real injustice and so i've tried to do that she also wrote a book people don't know called my story which i used excerpts from in the book dorothy kilgallen and and maryland were both patriots maryland went to korea to entertain the troops yeah. dorothy gave uh radio broadcast to, to raise war bonds uh, during world war ii and, and all of that with, with, uh, with uh, Dorothy, uh, I mean, she was an incredible journalist. Both of them are role models in a lot of ways. Sure, Marilyn may have, you know, the sexual uh, well, the the activity Xanax, she had. the but- Xanax
0: sold that outright, and they promised her that, you know, that's why when she ran to New York, how I met her, she mm-hmm. was here to become a thespian and was studying with Strasbourg.
3: Yeah, and she then, was.
0: Then he finally took her out of the studio. It's ironic because Megan and I, where I think you're going to be next week, the building right next door to 15th Street, where the Trinity Network is. Okay. You're not going to believe it. Look next door. That Strasbourg Studio. It's still there. Oh, yes. Yeah. And I used to sit on the stoop at night waiting for her to come out of class. And I was telling Megan, who's our, our you know, our, our anchor here and our executive, that uh-huh. so many times, and one night just blew me away because um, Tony Curtis, Marlon Brando mm-hmm. and her came out at the same
3: time. I couldn't believe it. Wow. That's wonderful. Wow. But That's what amazing memories. that that would have happened. But yeah, she had a lot of different interests. And, and you know, uh, Arthur Miller, she was married to oh an intellectual. Yeah uh you know for whatever reason there with joe dimaggio or whatever um i mean she read ulysses okay <laughs> i can't wow. i tried to read ulysses and i can't and then you take dorothy was the same sort of a person you know mother of three uh this distinguished journalist uh, loved by everybody the dorothy kilgallen story.org has all these photographs of her when she covered the uh, sam shepherd case and and uh, the lindbergh baby kidnapping case you know the new york post called her the most uh, Uh, the the powerful female voice in America, all of that. She was really an amazing woman, and she shouldn't have died uh, so young as Marilyn did. And then JFK, as as terrible as he was with uh, using women and all of that, and I certainly don't condone that, uh, you know, there's some really good things he did in his life. And so we lost those guys, and they lost so much because he could never be with those two young children of his and all that. So I've tried to humanize them because I think it's just – Easy for people to brush over things like that, and not realize what tragedies those were. Remember, Marilyn died at 36. Uh, JFK at what? 42 maybe? 42. Yeah. Okay. And and uh, Dorothy Kilgallen at 52. And uh, you know, three of those people died within 40 months of each other, and yet nobody was able to ever connect them. And I'm proud that I've been able to do so. I only use primary sources like you. And I've really tried to provide, there's so much documentation in FBI uh, files that I found where they connect Marilyn and Dorothy and JFK because they all were uh, passionate about UFOs. Uh, they connect uh, Dorothy and, and Marilyn and uh, and Bobby Kennedy uh, with regard to a common denominator there. and. Uh, there were there were uh, wiretaps uh, of of Marilyn and Dorothy talking and different kinds of things like, like that. So I think the whole web of uh, of evidence there uh, hopefully will come together in collateral damage.
0: Well, that's interesting. I mean, uh, what I've seen I just you know thumbed through it over the weekend just mm-hmm. out of curiosity. I'm mean, I just came first of all. Pat and I want to thank you for. I mean, the accolades that you've given us through the book and made it, uh, you know, brought it to life after, we're out already, what, 28 months already. But Mm -hmm. I I think we're going to sell books because of your book. So thank you for that.
3: You're uh, welcome. You're welcome. It comes out June the 1st. And Patrick, you know, is quoted in there. I think he knows because he educated me a little bit about how the uh, police department works and when there's a homicide and the detective assigned and all these other kind of things. And so... Uh, you can thank me all you want to, but both of you really made a difference. I, it, basically, what you told me kind of helped me put the glue together with this because uh, I'd never, I've never i never written about three subjects. I've written about one or two, uh, but never three. And uh, uh, I'm, I'm still uh, amazed at how it all came together for some reason uh, because, as I said, I, I really did it kind of backwards. But by looking at the JFK assassination first, and then Dorothy's, uh, uh, you know, investigation and in death—it just opened up a whole window that I don't think anybody else would have seen with regard to how uh, the life and times of Marilyn and then her her tragic death.
0: No, I mean it's a, it's amazing that you're able to do it, and, and like you're saying, these people need to be recognized for who they are and not who who they try to let them let the public believe they were like drug addicts and sex symbols. And they, they had they had a purpose that they were yeah. never able to achieve, unfortunately. Well, so
3: many people loved them. I've, I've heard from people all over the world. I've probably gotten at least 5,000 emails from my books now, people around the world with tips and things. And I'll tell you, I, uh, I've already composed a letter to the L.A. County uh, District Attorney George Gassone, I believe is how you pronounce it. Uh, I've got the NYPD looking in, hopefully, to uh, Dorothy's death but I've got a 15-page letter and a copy of the book on the way to the L.A. County D.A. just saying, hey, here's all this evidence. Do the right thing and reopen uh, the investigation into Marilyn's death. Wow. Uh, This verdict verdict of her committing suicide is ridiculous. It has been ridiculous for 50-some years. Do the right thing and investigate this.
0: Well, I personally know she was at probably the happiest time of her life because, as you pointed out, she was asked to do a Broadway play. She was mm-hmm. studying intensely. She moved in with the Strasburgs upstate. Yeah, yeah. And, and was studying with the daughter. I mean, this girl was ready to go. The last thing she was gonna do is kill herself at this point of her life. She had no reason to.
3: You know, Gianni, you might get a tear in your eye as I did. And I just got a little bit of a uh, chill there. In the book is Lee Strasburg's eulogy to Marilyn when, at the funeral. Oh, my God. And wait till you see what he had to say about her. Uh, it was just beautiful, as you can imagine. I mean, he was a oh my man God, of, the word, yeah. of words. Yeah. But I think you'll enjoy that uh, when when you do that. And that I wanted those kinds of things to be in there in praise of, of, of in honor of these uh, these two women, for sure. That's
0: great. I can't wait to read the book. I mean, it's... I'm, I'm doing a show tomorrow again, and we changed the whole... Th- Theory. I'm on a show tomorrow called Chaz and AJ's. I've been doing it once a week for about four months now. It's good. probably one of the biggest audiences in Connecticut during drive time in the morning. Oh, great. And I'm just talking about your book and where you're going. (laughs) I, I took a picture of the cover and sent it up for them to promo it today.
3: Oh, I love you. That's just wonderful of you to do. You and Patrick, I appreciate it. And I don't know Megan. Megan, what do you think of this book? Is it worth a damn?
2: I think so. I think that's a good way to put it. I am I'm here. I am curious to know, um, obviously, you talked about how you've quoted Pat and Gianni, you know, celebrity experts in this world. Can you tell us about any other um, people that you referenced or interviewed that our listeners in particular would would be interested in reading about?
3: Well, you know, uh, so many people have died, obviously, but I found a 99-year-old woman who, uh, who knew Dorothy Kilgatlin and gave me an insight into her. I found, uh, you know, I don't know their big names or anything, but people in in uh, New Orleans who knew Carlos Marcello. Uh, one of them uh, was introduced to him as Uncle Carly, this killer uh, Marcello, yeah. and she sat on his lap. Uh, so I have those kinds of people. Uh, there is a woman in L.A., Carol Williams, who people might remember, Academy Award-nominated uh, actress who knew Marilyn. I knew who uh, knew Maryland's uh, mother who was mentally disturbed. So I, I have her in there. Um, I'm trying to think of other people that, that uh, people would know about, but uh, for the most part, it's, you know, it's been a little bit difficult to find, you know, big names, I suppose, but I'm looking more for people who actually were there. I mean, Dorothy was at the JFK at the uh, Ruby trial uh, trial. That's what I'm looking for. And so uh, I mostly uh, focused on those kinds of people.
0: Yeah, all brings you factual, you know, all factual things that were there and saw it. So if people's opinions are not going to certify what you come up in this book with. I mean, it's amazing to me.
3: Well, the books the books that I quote from uh, are from authors who wrote in 63, 64, 65. And uh, in, the, in the acknowledgments or in the front of the book, they talk, they talk about the quotes that they have. They talk to the psychiatrist. They talk to the uh the uh, her doctor they talked to her housekeeper they talked to people that knew maryland that knew lawford that knew people like that all of that oh. uh the one person that i've tried to get to interview uh megan who is, is as big a name as you can get i sent her the reporter who knew too much i sent her denial of justice and i'm about to send her this book and that's caroline kennedy
0: oh I wow wanted
3: to know, i wanted her to know about dorothy because dorothy basically gave up her life trying to find out the truth about what happened to Caroline's, uh, Caroline's Dad. father. Yeah. And, uh, Not, that, that may strike
0: a nerve picture. with her because, you know, I don't
3: know. I have a, I have an inroad there to where I know the book has gotten to she and her husband. But, uh, so far I, I have never heard from her, but I'm hopeful at some point I may.
0: That's I mean, it's, it's, uh, we just had a conversation. Oh. You
1: have a ghost.
0: I know, what's that about,
1: Jesus.
0: (laughs) Anyway, but uh, Megan was in the studio the other day when they brought up Carolyn Kennedy's name. It's ironic you just did. And uh, we were all wondering why she would go on anything because she she shies away from it all. And uh, and what you're saying to me, you reached out to her. And basically they said the whole half-hour interview was yes no yes they she said nothing and she
2: wasn't she wasn't very eager to give any sort of answer at all
0: and they gave a a, a, a contribution to the Kennedy Foundation and that's mm-hmm. why she decided to be on so that this could be interesting i want to see wh- how she reacts but you, you I, have a, I have
3: a i have a theory about why she hasn't talked now i think if you knew i through my book she knows Bobby Kennedy if he had, if he had left those underworld characters alone her father would have never been assassinated in 1963 exactly and now she's going to find out what bobby kennedy did with marilyn monroe well do you is she going to want to bring that up i don't know you yes. will hear from her though in the book and the way you'll hear from her is that jacqueline kennedy i think within a week no no maybe longer after jfk died uh recorded an interview with i think it's arthur schlesinger if I remember, and that became a book. And the name of the book is in my book. And I quoted some in there about JFK and the kids and what he did when he was in the White House. And he spent time with them before he did this or that. And he played with them here and there because I thought that would humanize him as well. Right. So I'm going to point to that. Uh, You know, I didn't use enough that she'll be upset that I violated any copyrights or anything, but I wanted that in there. And that's going to be the start of my letter to her. That, uh, listen, it's time to talk about this uh, and and what happened back then so that the truth uh, can be known. The government's never going to give us the JFK assassination documents. We all know that's not going to happen. And so mostly it's just guesswork, except for books like mine and others where, you know, the truth comes out some way or another, at least the plausible truth comes out. But uh, it's time for her to do something uh, with this. And I'm hopeful that maybe this particular book might trigger that. But. Maybe I'm uh, I'm uh, hoping for too much.
0: <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, it's, it'll be interesting because, you know, we could talk to you for days. And But I, I know Pat and Megan and myself, I, I just think this book is going to be a smash. And I think you're going to shake up a lot of people's lives, maybe even Carol and, and the people are going to say, you know, it, it's time to find out. Too, too many people want to know.
3: yeah i I think the quest the thirst is still out there that's for sure there's kind of a cult following you know my uh i have to pat myself on the back a little bit there's more than two million views of my interviews and presentations on the on the internet on youtube and and you can look at the comments under there and a lot of times it's i never knew this or thank you or whatever or they're very critical of what i'm doing it it doesn't matter i just want to make people stop and think that's what i've always done with my books and especially with these two women because you know, there's all kinds of injustices in our world right now, the terrible ones in Minnesota and everywhere else. But there's also injustices like this to two women whose reputations were just tarnished beyond belief, and that shouldn't have happened. And you I've know. become, I guess, their voices in many ways, so I hope that we can rectify that.
0: Well, we wanna thank you for being on and giving us an opportunity of uh, helping to, I'm gonna exploit this book to, if you want me to, I, well, I mean, I just think appreciate he's... it. And,
3: and if you'd like a share of the royalties, I'm open to that.
0: Oh, no, 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 no,
3: not that. No. no, we're and just. And Patrick, happy. too, and Megan. And Megan. Yeah. But thank you so much for having me on. No, please. Thank you
1: very much, Mark. It was, uh, the interview was enlightening as usual.
3: Hey, you're a good man, both of you. And Megan's a good woman, or she wouldn't be hanging around with both of you, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, well, we have a hand yeah.
3: off to the desk.
1: <laughs>
0: But it's it's amazing. But thank you, and I can't thank you enough for just incorporating us in this in that book and our book being a part of it. So it's uh, I, we have to give you royalties.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm running out of those.
0: There you uh, go.
3: I got you. Well, that's the least I could do. So thank you all so much.
0: All right. Thank have you.
2: Thank you, Mark.
1: Thank you, Thanks
0: Mark. for joining Always. us
2: again.
3: Bye bye.
0: Right. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with the mailbag. I mean, that, I mean, as he always does, he blows you away. But now he just laced us into this whole life. I mean, this book's going to be, explode.
2: I think especially for those out there who still might question, you know, some of your stories, even though it was published in a book where it's vetted entirely, I think it'll further, you know, prove that,
0: a no, researcher no you know I can't even I can't even think about those small-minded people out there that just think that people right. just publish stories that are lies so yeah. let them even keep like going hear
1: themselves <laughs> yeah. let to like hear themselves talk oh and that's that uh, 10 books that's what I've discovered you know to yeah. get uh, people who uh, love you and hate you and that's what happens when you write a book if it evokes
0: any kind of a response it's a good thing oh no because I got it's a good you. way to
2: look at it no it is
0: yeah. I, as you say good or bad uh most of it is derived from jealousy because they've done nothing with their own lives yeah that too we'll be right back
2: this episode is brought to you partly by hollywood godfather la familia this sponsor is particularly important to Gianni, patrick and myself because it is giving you our fans the opportunity to join our family When joining our family, you have the chance to purchase virtual interactions with Gianni Patrick and myself, such as Zoom meetings and video greetings. In addition, you have access to signed merchandise from Gianni, including signed copies of his memoir, Hollywood Godfather, My Life in the Movies and the Mob with Patrick Picciarelli, as well as signed photographs from The Godfather. Visit HollywoodGodfatherFamily.com to join and to learn about how you can become an associate or even an underboss or boss of the family. Such status will come with perks. Prices and details are also available at HollywoodGodfatherFamily.com. Trust us, this is an offer you can't refuse.
0: Okay, it's time for the mailbag. Let's find out what's going on. All
2: right, I think we have a couple minutes to get some in, so I'll do my best. All right, first we have from Calvin. Calvin says, Johnny, did you ever meet Morris Levy, the uh, record producer? Also, could you find people do a podcast about George Raft and Dean Martin and anything on the Detroit crime family that's called a partnership? I love this podcast, and yes, I'm your number one fan.
0: Oh, great! Thank you. No, I've never heard of. Um, I, I mean, this. I do. I just was told by some statistic that there's two million podcasts out there, and some crazy number. I mean, yeah, I,
1: that's probably I, true. I guess alone, there's over nine hundred thousand.
0: On um, which one, I'm sorry? iTunes. Wow.
1: That doesn't count Spotify and everything else. I mean, you know, to, to, to rise to the top of that pile uh, says something. Of course, there are people who, who do podcasts, don't know what the hell they're doing. They, they come on twice and you never hear from them again. Right. Yeah. Th- this type of thing takes effort. I mean, it, it, it sounds like, you know, uh, we just get together on a Monday night, uh, on a Wednesday night, as far as the viewers are concerned. And just, you know, talk like there's nothing to it. Flip a switch, flip flip the switch off, and we're done. There's work involved in this.
0: No, I think our our followers are starting to understand that and the amount of our audience also. But we we appreciate your comment, my darling, and let's keep building more people. (laughs) We need reviews, lots of them. Next mailbag.
2: All right, next is from John. John says, what can you tell us about Johnny Haircuts from the Chicago Mob?
0: Not a thing. Was he a barber? (laughs) Johnny Haircuts. This question was in
2: all caps, so I feel like I should be yelling it. It was all capital letters. They're very eager to know.
0: Johnny Haircuts. Okay. Before my time or after my time.
2: Interesting. He's been stumped, everyone. Okay, next is from Ginny. Ginny says, hello all. I've listened to the podcast from the first episode and enjoyed reading your book. You often mention your meetings in Peacock Valley. The father of a close friend was maitre d' there for many years during the 50s and 60s. Just wondering if you knew and remember Dave.
0: Nope. Oh, Dave, how's he doing? <laughs> yeah, Dave, I remember. Hey, ad- Dave. Ho- 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 glasses. I, I used to sit under a, a clock for probably the first three months in the lobby, and then Blackie or somebody would come and get me, even a a, a busboy or a waiter, and said, Mr. C wants to see you. I went to see him, and I left. I wasn't fraternizing with anybody, talking. I, I mean, I that's one thing I think Costello liked about me. Nobody knew why I was there or whatever. They all knew me as the kid, and uh, I didn't make friends. <laughs> <And> <laughs>
1: And, and Dave, Dave regrets that to this day. Yeah. You
2: mm-hmm. any <laughs> All right. Next is from Shane from Australia. Shane says, love the podcast and have just ordered the book. Just wanting to ask Gianni since he managed Dionne Warwick, did he ever meet the Bee Gees as they wrote some songs for her?
0: My God. Yeah. I'm kidding. We made a lot of Well, They were on solid gold with us and we, we hit two, we made two Grammys. With the Bee Gees, the kid Barry especially, he, even the younger kid I forgot his name. He, they all they're all dead, other than the old ones. All the old ones alive. No, I, I I mean, just because of what the transition we made and went went into duets with the Bee Gees and Kashif and so many other great artists. That uh, no, I had the privilege of meeting them all. Thank you.
2: All right. Next is from Richard. Hi, Gianni. Great podcast. Been listening since day one. Were you ever friends with Lisa Medford? She was the first ever nude show, showgirl in Vegas. As you can imagine, she was friends with all Vegas royalty. She was engaged to Cary Grant. She's had a fascinating life just like yourself. She knew everyone. You should have her as a guest on your show. You two must have crossed paths at some point. I don't think she's alive anymore. Can't wait for the TV series. She, Let me do a quick Google
0: search. She's not alive anymore. She worked for Belden Cattlemen at the... It um, was right across the street on the corner of Sahara. I mean, he had the first line of, of chorus girls, and that had to be in the 40s. And if she was even 20 or 30, where is she now? She's with Dave. Yeah. What you find out? Anything?
2: Good one, Pat. There's no... Um, like there's no... Um wikipedia page or anything so i can't yeah. find dates on her right. yeah i thought it was going to be easier to find but i can't find anything no no oh hold on yeah i think she's
0: dead yes has to be i would think so uh, what was it called the the, the, the mirage or something. i remember the prop the property well anyway let's go on move on can't,
2: yeah, let's move on. on. I can't be sure. I'm sure somebody out there knows and will correct us if we're wrong. Please. Okay, next is from Anthony. Anthony says, hi, Gianni. I grew up in Miami, Florida during the 70s and 80s. Did you spend any time in Miami at that time? And do you have a short story to share? Thank you.
0: Uh, we have, to have three hours. At it. Of course I was there those times. That was the best time down there. I mean, 60s, 70s, and 80s. Them. Forget about it. That was it's The fountain blue. It's crazy, you know. When you yeah, say yeah. that,
1: plenty like, of Miami stories in the book.
0: Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah, they, yeah read there the book.
1: Yeah. We do have a book,
0: you know. Yes, called Hollywood Godfather, named after the podcast. Oh, no. The podcast is named oh, nice, after, nice after, versus, after the book. Yeah. yeah. What came first, there the chicken go. or the egg?
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think we have time for one more for tonight. This one is from Kale. Hi guys. Love the podcast since I found it. Megan, you're great. I was wondering if Gianni or Patrick were familiar with Terry Talentino in Winnipeg, Canada, or George Salerno in Chicago. The Salernos had a funeral home in Chicago. My grandfather, Victor Gardy was good friends with them and they used to go to Vegas often back in the day, met the Rat Pack, stayed at the Sands and those classic hotels. My dad, also named Victor, was even at Sam Giancana's house. Sam asked my dad to stay in Chicago and work with them but chose not to. Do you know of or have any information or stories about them? Thanks, love the book, and hope this show never goes away.
0: Well, you tell all your friends it'll never go away. No, I I don't know the man's name. I didn't spend a lot of time with Sam Giancana. I spent most of my time with Tony Accardo, and my partner for about 20 years was Nick Nitti, and we were under the radar, thank God.
2: So Terry Talentino doesn't ring a
0: bell? No. No, thank for you. Victor Vardy? Nope. 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 Nope.
2: There's been a lot of stumping Gianni tonight. I don't think
0: they're stumping Gianni. I don't think these people I'm are kidding. worth talking about.
2: <laughs> yeah, just... just
0: Unless I would know Robert. them. They're people's names. I heard... And they don't even know if they're really their names. I mean... I, I, I yeah, it's really the type of thing
2: people just think, well, we'll see. Shot in the dark.
0: Yeah. But that is
2: all the time we have for tonight.
0: Well... Yeah. Well, we want to thank all of you again for tuning in. I think tonight's story, if you never listened to Mark Shaw before, I'd go out and get that book. And, uh, in fact, if you didn't buy our book yet, you should buy both of them because they're, they're going to be like bookends when we find out what's going on.
1: Collateral Damage, Mark Shaw.
0: There you go. So you're
1: going to you-
2: June 1st, correct?
0: Yep. All right, well, thank you all. We'll... Talk to you next week. Thank you. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night, guys. If you're feeling sad and lonely, there's a service I could render. I'm the one who loves you only. I could be so warm, so tender. Call me. Don't be afraid you can call me. Maybe it's late, but just call me. Tell me and I'll be wrong. Thank you for
2: tuning in to the Hollywood Godfather podcast. You can contact Gianni Russo, Patrick Picciarelli, or myself, Megan Haran, with your questions and comments through the contact section of our website, HollywoodGodfatherPodcast.com, which is where you can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter. You can also call and leave us a message at 646-776-3038. Remember to follow us on Instagram at Hollywood Godfather and on Facebook. As well as leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd like to know what you like about what we're doing, what you'd like to hear in the future, and anything else you might suggest to improve our podcast. Most importantly, hit the subscribe button. We'll be back next week with stories of the mob and Hollywood as well as answers to your messages. Good night. I'll
1: be around.
0: Hi, everyone. I want you to tune in to Hollywood Godfather podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you hear your podcasts. Remember, we put up a new show every Wednesday night. Special guests, special surprises constantly, and you can get involved. Hollywood Godfather podcast.